The eleventh Dubcast is back, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my God, where have we been? Did you miss us? Uh, I am us. Michael. I missed us, Michael. I'm Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. And it's been a long time, Johnny, since our our last uh, eleven Dubcast together, hasn't it? It really has, and it's it's nice to be back on the internet saying things that people <laughs> want to listen to. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> You know, it's, let's, let's not get crazy. It's not like we know that people are going to be listening now all of a sudden. Yeah, well, I'm trying to like I'm trying to ease my way into the off season, so I'm a little, you know, not sad, not pessimistic, but I've just reached this like Jimmy Carter esque malaise where I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm pre- I'm preparing myself for the long winter. I'm fattening myself up on uh, constant rewatches of the Sugar Bowl and the national championship game and. I'm just I'm hunkering down for a very long off season, very very sad, slow <laughs> off season. You know, where there's just not a lot going. Now I'm a Reds fan, uh, and that would have been you know maybe my um, salve right before they started losing all these games. But you know, hopefully they'll rebound and maybe I'll have something to live for in the next you know four or five months. Well, Lord knows we uh, we would like you to have something to live for, Johnny. <laughs> um, you know, it's been a while since we got to talk about football, and it's going to be a while still before we get to talk about football again. Right. But um, we did get some Buckeye football in over the weekend in the form of the annual glorified practice known as the spring game. Yeah, and, and it's incredibly glorified, too, which, you know, like it's one thing just for it to be like not interesting or whatever, but when you've got 99,000 people show up for your practice, that's pretty. That's a, that's a lot of glory. That's a lot of glorification from the What did you think public. of that? What did you think of that that huge crowd? I mean, were you surprised by that? No, I mean, it was a nice day. It wasn't too hot. It was really, I mean, it's coming off a national championship winning season. I don't, I mean, look, I was talking to a buddy on my mind, and, you know, he's like, these don't really have the entertainment factor that you kind of, you know, like hope that they have, you know, when you think about it. And they don't. I mean, they're not particularly interesting to watch for the most part, unless there's like, and actually we have a, um, a guest coming up a little later who was, I think maybe the first person I was ever really excited about to watch at a spring game. But, um, so, you know, I, I think I understand why people go, right? Because I think that's, that's the question. Like, why are so many people? Go? Well, I think part of it is because you get a lot of people who simply can't afford the ridiculous amount of money that it costs to take a family or to take yourself even, uh, to go see an Ohio state football game. And this is a mm-hmm. chance to go to the shoe to see the team that you root for and, and, you know, to enjoy the sunshine and get to chill out for a while, get to watch a lacrosse game, you know, that actually has <laughs> meaning, you know? Yeah. And, and so I, I, I totally get it. It's just the atmosphere. And especially when you have that many people there, I think it, it kind of has the feeling of a real game, even though it, it you know means nothing and is just kind of made up and doesn't really matter. It's kind of like the, you know, the practice version of whose line is it anyway, you know, the, <laughs> So I get the feeling that you didn't go to the game. I did not. I did not. I I actually, I was uh, herding a group of kids around the state house uh, during that time period. But um, yeah, I I, I usually try to go just because I like the spectacle of it. I think it's fun, but I don't really cry myself to sleep if I miss it. See, now you and 699 other people are responsible for uh, them falling short of 100,000. That's true. And and, then all threats can be emailed to johnny at 11warriors.com. But yeah, I just, you know, I, like I said, I try to get out there if I can, but if I got other stuff going on, I'm not going to cry about it. I, I caught the last two-thirds of it on TV, so that was that was enough for me. Okay. 
Fair enough, but I, I can't uh, I can't agree that it's not entertaining uh, when it doesn't have a high entertainment value when you get to see kids uh, have a push up contest. <laughs> how, how can you say that's not entertaining? Uh, I would say that some of the pictures that resulted from that push up contest were highly entertaining. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got like a nice uh, set of pictures on our on the website uh, with that, and and man, that was that's pretty special right there. And I do like, I mean, I really do like kind of the competitive nature of that. I, I think that's cool. Uh, I like the the race that was kind of neat and the skills contest and all that good stuff. Like, that's cool. And, you know, the circle drill and all that good stuff. But the actual practice part itself, you know, where they're just like taking points off the board and redoing plays thousands of times, it's like, eh. You know, it's 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 clearly just a practice, and, and that's when it becomes really apparent that that's what it is. Um, but I do like I do like kind of the extra stuff. That that is a lot of fun. Yeah, and it seems like it's become more of an event and less like an actual scrimmage than it, it was under um, Jim Trussell and, yeah. and and years past. And and you know, going all the way back. I mean, as long as I can remember, there's been a spring game, and it's been, you know, it's been like a regular game. Yeah. You know, just with one squad playing. You know, you know, for each each team, but. Um, you know, now you've got this whole this whole event where you've got the the circle drill and the the quick cals and all that, and and then they come out and they they you know they're all fired up and they're kind of some of the guys that aren't playing are clowning around like Ezekiel Elliott, <laughs> right? And um, you know, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting event and and you know you throw in the fastest you know student athlete rate you know contest and all that and the push ups and and it becomes something a little different than it was before and. Um, you know the the added bonus of adding all this stuff, especially when some of it was impromptu, is that we got to tick off Penn State fans by running over our allotted time on the Big Ten Network, right? Uh, and running into the blue white game. Um, so, Johnny, what were your takeaways from the spring game? I mean, what stood out to you? Um, I think this is going to sound bad. I, I think I was more interested in things that didn't stand out to me than the things that necessarily did. Um, I, what do you mean by that? Well, I guess what I'm saying is that I don't know that I saw anything that like really caught my eye or really impressed me. I mean, Cardale wasn't super accurate. Um, there were some interceptions that were thrown overall. I, you know, it was, I don't want to say sloppy, but it wasn't a team that looked like super sharp and that's fine. It's a spring game, but there wasn't anybody honestly that I saw, that emerged as a guy like, ooh, that's going to be a starter. You know what I mean? Like, because I can remember watching spring games with, um, I don't know, guys like Ryan Chazier, for example, right? Who you saw that dude on a couple of plays and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> like, this guy is going to make an immediate impact as soon as he gets on the field. Uh, I don't know that I really saw a lot of that. I, I think there's definitely some talent there and some guys who, you know, names you, you may not have actually, like, have heard and they they played pretty well, but I just don't know that I saw. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I, I saw anything that really like wowed me in the spring game. Maybe maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it was the <laughs> the most exciting thing in the world, and I'm just misreading it. But to me, I wasn't like super uh, super impressed by any individual athlete. And I, I was kind of hoping for that, I guess. Well, I think you are uh, missing something, Johnny. Actually, what am I, I missing? Think you are. Like help uh, help me parse this first... out. First, I want to talk about the quarterback situation because everybody always says this. Every year at the spring game, the quarterbacks didn't look that good. Okay. Bro. Well, you know, the quarterbacks are always the last ones to get sharp because they have to get the timing down with their receivers. And, right. you know, some of the receivers, like Michael uh, Thomas, didn't play, that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, you're going to have that. Plus, you know, the other 
quarterback with Stephen Collier, who's very, very young and hasn't gotten a lot of reps. So, uh, you know, the quarterbacks, going back every year, you can almost bank on it that the quarterbacks are not going to do well. Right. Um, I could probably, you know, count the, the good quarterback performances on one hand as long, you know, going back as long as I can remember. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's always a thing. And it's more to do with timing and the, you know, the fact that some of the backup linemen are not giving them proper protection and that kind of thing. So and you add that, add the fact in this time out that almost every play was a pass and the <laughs> the defense right. was just blitzing like crazy. Right. So it was, it was it, it like an arena, an arena uh, league game. You know what I mean? Like it was weird. Yeah. Without the scoring. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Which is maybe the other part that I'm kind of like meh on, but you know. Yeah. Well, here's the Stokes. Here's what stood out for me, Johnny. I think that, um, first of all, I think I did see a future starter emerge, and that's Nick Connor. Yeah. Maybe not it, in 2015, right. but, man, did he look really good. Yeah. Um, and also uh, Hubbard. Sam Hubbard looked really, really good coming off the edge as well. I thought those two defenders looked very good. I thought that Damon Webb looked really good uh, in a backup role at corner. I thought he he played very well. Um, the one thing I was excited about is to see a guy – like Paris Campbell, to see how he performed. And he he did pretty well. He could have done better, but, I mean, Collier was his quarterback. He was on the, the Scarlet team, and he was not given the opportunity to make some catches. But, he, you know, he looks exceedingly fast out there, and I think because he's not an upperclassman, it's probably the reason he wasn't in that fastest Buckeye competition because I think he would have been right there at the end. But, uh, you know, so I wanted to see what the receivers looked like. Corey Smith at the end of the year last year, looked like he was really starting to come on. And, and I was wondering if the, the off season would break that development, but he looked really, really good on Saturday. Granted it's, you know, it's a scrimmage, but uh, it, we've been asking who's going to take Devin Smith's spot in that deep over the top role, taking the top off the defense. And it looks like Corey Smith's going to be that guy. Yeah. I, I think, you know, he really kind of came on strong at the end of last year. I, you know, he is, I think offensively, he's the guy that I, I would look towards to being kind of one of those dudes. I, I think he had a good spring game as well. I think that was good. Um, I don't know, you know, and, and the, it's interesting to see kind of the evolution of the offense in general because they can't, and I don't think they will, you know, stagnate at all, right? Because the idea mm-hmm. is that you're going to need to continually kind of bring up guys. You can't allow you know, to kind of rest on the laurels of Ezekiel Elliott, because chances are like, that dude has, you know, repeats his performance from mm-hmm. last few games, you know, in the coming season, he's gone. I mean, that dude is out of here. Um, so you got to make sure that you're continually like bringing along dudes. And it's, it's neat to see that evolution. So Corey Smith is definitely one of those dudes. And, you know, the linebackers, you know, kind of mentioned that a little bit. I think they're coming along really well, especially given some of the attrition that they've had. So that's kind of cool to see. I, you know, it's still the spring game. I, Michael Thomas aside, I feel like I've been burned one too many times by the, you know, the Ray Smalls of the world. Um, so <laughs> spring game MVPs. Yeah. So I'm not like Sam Childress. Yeah. And like that. Right. So I'm not like you know real excited about it, but I, I can't deny the appeal and the fun of going to Ohio State in for five bucks and you know, watching your team play, especially if it's a national championship team, and you get to see the quarterback in action. I mean, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's out, and, you know, the other quarterbacks are out and whatever, but, like, it's still it's still really cool, and I'm not hating on the experience at all. I just, you know, I, I think it's definitely a, a less 
less intense kind of thing. It's something that you can just sit back and kind of enjoy it for what it is, I think. Yeah. Well, we'll get more into the spring game with our guests later on in the program. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the the lacrosse game beforehand, and Ohio State won that lacrosse game, by the way, I believe. That's and right. um, the cool thing is that this has been an awesome spring, Johnny. I mean, basketball teams aside, I mean, they didn't do great. But look at what's happened. You have a wrestling national championship. You've got a pistol national championship. <laughs> You got a synchronized synchronized swimming national championship. Um, I believe the fencing team finished fifth nationally, and that was actually disappointing because they had a lead in the NCAA championships after day two. Yeah. So they actually had a chance to to win that national championship. Um, and then at last report, the women's rowing was doing what really well, and the baseball team Johnny is off to a good start. Yeah, I mean, and that's and you know it's. <laughs> That doesn't do a whole lot to dispel the stereotype of Ohio State as maybe, you know, just a, it's a sports jock college, academic stupid, blah, blah. But, uh, <laughs> but it's also really, really cool to see. And I personally love it when the non-revenue sports are doing well. I mean, I'm, I'm a big baseball fan. Um, you know, Jason Priest has covered years. But, but baseball is a really, really awesome thing. And I think college baseball is also really, really interesting because – it is it is markedly different uh, from the minors and um, the professional league, obviously the major leagues, uh, in a lot of different ways. So I I actually kind of enjoy taking a game or two, and I like the fact that Ohio State is good. Now I don't know if they are you know northern school good, right, or like actually good in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to find out, and it's. You know, they've had over the years some, like, really good individual players. Um, they haven't necessarily had great teams, but they definitely had some guys who are, you know, individually very, very good. And, Nick Swisher? Yeah, well, Swisher, yeah. Swisher, maybe not now as much. But, uh, you know, in college... But he was a really great college player. Yeah, he was an excellent college player. They've had some pitchers who have been very good for them in the past. Um, it's cool to kind of see them bring that together a little bit. You know, I'm a big hockey fan, too, so I love to see them be successful in that arena as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, that's the other thing. Like if you enjoy spending five bucks to go out to, you know, the shoe and enjoy the football team, well, shoot, you got some time, spend five bucks, go out to, I think Bill Davis stadium. Right. And, and check that out. Cause I think that's pretty, pretty sweet too. And like, I just, I love baseball in all its forms. Like, I, I just think it's a beautiful, um, intriguing, very, uh, intricate kind of game that people, you know, take a long time to master. Like, that's the thing about baseball, right? Like, it, it can mm-hmm. take you far longer to figure out how to be a good baseball player than to be a good basketball player or a good football player. Like, the, the, the tiny little bits of that game that it takes to master it are just incredibly difficult. Um, so I really love that for what it is. And, yeah, I mean, if you, you know, screw it. If you want to see a rifle competition or a pistol competition, you should. Because I think if you're a sports fan, you should just like competition in general. And that's why I like the non-revenue sports, because there are people who devote a ridiculous amount of time in these things that people don't always get a chance to check out. What I like about them is that they're, you know, if you're a college student especially, they're ridiculously cheap, and you can get in and go see them and and be entertained for, you know, a few hours of your life for very little money. And, um, you know, go cheer for your Buckeyes, which is really cool. I used to go to the hockey games all the time when they were at the oh, yeah. the OSU ice rink next to the <laughs> next to St. John Arena, that, that cramped, crappy little rink. How many people actually, like the actual men's hockey team would play in that? Yeah, they, uh, they held, I think, a, I think it only held like 1,200 
Um, and when I was with the Lantern, I actually wrote um, a, a scathing uh, column about how they needed to upgrade their facilities. <laughs> Uh, so obviously they listened and they yeah, did that's it. That's why they built the Schottenstein <laughs> Arena. I mean, come on. <laughs> well done, so, Citro. God dang. I've always said, you know, if Ohio State were to win a national championship in anything in the, in the non-revenue sports, my two favorites would be hockey or baseball. Yeah, I'm with you on um, that. I've been a big hockey fan, and, and you know, with the Frozen Four, I think it's there's a lot of prestige and a lot of you know it's a difficult thing to do and, it's incredibly and, difficult a hockey like college hockey is unbelievably competitive um it is they have some really really quality players and teams who play at the college level um and specifically honestly like this year in the draft that's coming up right they've got you know one of the best two players maybe you know coming into the nhl in the world so at boston college um you know and so i i think that's really neat uh, and Hopefully, and this is one of the things I'm thinking about hockey, um, I think that the Big Ten consolidating will hopefully foster a little bit of competition among the teams in the Big Ten to kind of bump up their hockey programs a little bit and maybe, you know, high tide raises all ships, right? So hopefully that kind of thing um, happens with, you know, not just Ohio State, but the Big Ten in general. I mean, there's been some pretty decent hockey teams in the Big Ten as well, so... And the baseball team is, I think, twenty six and ten as we record yeah. this. Um, they've they've had a recent uh, spin of luck where they've they've taken two out of three at Nebraska, which is nationally ranked. They won against Louisville, which is, was ranked number four in the country. Uh, shut out Louisville two nothing. Uh, so they've they've had a good run and have gotten some results against some good teams. So it would be really cool to see them get to go to Omaha. I mean, it's been I don't know if Ohio State's been to Omaha <laughs> in my lifetime, I, honestly. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it would be really cool to see. I mean, you don't even often see a Big Ten school make make it to Omaha, so it would be nice to to see that happen and see it be the Buckeyes. That would be even, even better because, you know, the haters around the country that are sick of seeing us win everything <laughs> can just suck it. <laughs> and that's really, and honestly, as an Ohio State fan, that's really the pinnacle of what you can hope for. Just you're never gonna get, you're never gonna be the team that people love. So you might as well be the team that just makes everybody really, really mad. Like that's basically mm-hmm. what you can hope for. And hopefully, we we see that from the baseball team too. Yeah, it'd be a big uh, Taylor Swift song that we can all enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> they can all just shake it off. <laughs> Joining us now, our good friend Matt Finkus for Finkus on Spring Football. Matt, how you doing this off season? Doing good, guys. So what I wanted to get you on here because spring game is the last real. Um, signpost we have before the long desert of the off season uh and we get to finally cross the desert and then come out the other side and get to <laughs> fall football um as a former player though what was this you know the gearing up for the spring game like was the spring game like fun because you know that the spring practice is over what's what's the mindset for the players yeah i mean it, it depends on what player you are obviously i mean if you're a young guy it's, it's an opportunity to you know, to get some reps, to, to, to get out and kind of show what you can do. Um, you know, once you're an old veteran and an established guy, it's it's one of those things where, you you know, you're using spring practice to stay sharp and to, and to improve yourself. Uh, but but the spring game, you know, you're, you're playing a couple snaps here and there. Uh, now, I mean, the, the way that they've done it with some of the guys and, and you know, the, the, the halftime uh, extravaganza that, that they have going on, you know, I mean, there's some fun to that and, 
and uh, and it's entertaining. But you know, I mean, it, it it just it depends on where you are in the pecking order. I mean, you know, like I said, if you're if you're one of these young guys who uh, there's a spot open and and you have a chance to compete for it, and you're going to go out and 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 try to show what you can do. And if you're one of these old guys, uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 a lot about teaching too i mean you know i I used to spend i mean and i really didn't get a chance to participate in a lot of spring practices just because of uh injuries and surgeries and stuff you know i for some reason as soon as the season was over there was always something wrong with me that needs to be surgically repaired uh so i missed a lot of spring balls but uh but i mean it's a chance you know to kind of you know bring these young guys along get them you know the work that they need that they don't get during the season do you like the format that Urban Meyer is going with, where it's kind of maybe less of a, an actual like game type situation? You know, they have these like cool things like the, um, you know, like the the skills challenge and all that stuff. Do you, do you like that format? Yeah, I mean, the spring game is it's it's practice. I mean, it's a practice. I mean, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> about so, practice. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, we're talking about practice. So, I mean, I like the idea of him, you know, doing some different things and kind of spicing things up. I, you know, I mean, it's, the, the push-up contest, I, I think I could have done without. I didn't get a whole lot out of that. But the skills challenge was, with, the, the, with the quarterbacks was pretty entertaining. You know, I was actually standing there with uh, Nick Vanette and, uh, and Pat Elfline as we're, we're, we're kind of critiquing the uh, quarterback skills thing. And then I think a lot of people like the fastest student and, and everything leading up to that. So uh, I do like that. I mean, it's entertaining. If, you, if you're going to bring all these people out to the horseshoe, uh, you know, to watch that, you want to have something uh, of, of some fun and, and, and to create that atmosphere. And I think they've done a good job of it. What did you think when you saw that crowd on Saturday, 99,000 plus? I mean, you've seen a lot of uh, spring games. I mean, you've never seen 99,000 for a spring game before. No, I mean, that, that's just incredible. I mean, you, you kind of have the perfect storm. I mean, you had a, you know, a 78-degree sunny day, uh, one of the first really nice days we've had in Columbus. You've got a national championship team that's coming back. And, you know, I mean, l- l- let's be honest, but there's a – you know, you see a lot of families at the spring game because when else are you going to have a chance to bring, you know, your family of four or family of five or six to to the horseshoe for under a grand? I mean, that's, that's kind, of, <laughs> kind of what we're looking at nowadays. I mean, and it's just, it, it, it's, uh, it's, you know, the nature of the beast. But, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of kids there, and, and it's, it's a fun time, and you can get into the horseshoe. You can see the team and just experience the atmosphere, and, and, and it's, a, it's a great thing. I mean, and that's what makes Ohio State so great. I mean, the, the fact that they would have 99,000 people there to, to watch basically a practice is, just speaks to our fan base and, and you know, why it's, it's the way it is. You know, it, was there any, you know, I, I was talking to Michael about this a little earlier. Like, I tried to be a little wary about um, proclaiming anybody, like, as arrived after a spring game. But was there anybody at the spring game where you're like, okay, this dude is definitely going to make a contribution next year? Um, I don't know if anyone made that at the actual game. You know, I've been to some practices over the course of spring practice. And, you know, I guess the kind of the secret's out of the bag now, and I talked about it a little bit before, but – you know, I, I think that Sam Hubbard has a lot of potential at the defensive end spot. I think that, uh, you know, he's raw. He he, oh, he has good hand placement. He doesn't have always good uh, good ability to disengage and to and to extend and to get off blocks. But that that can come. I mean, he's he's played three positions now at Ohio State. But physically, he he's you know he's six five. He can probably put on another uh, ten fifteen pounds of muscle this summer in, in the in the weight program 
And if he learns some technique and works with Larry Johnson, I, I think that he's an impact type of guy. Uh, I mean, on the offensive side, I think that it's uh, you, you've got that whole cadre of skill players that that continue to evolve and continue to be good and 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 make a, make a name for themselves. So I don't know if anyone has arrived, so to speak. I think it was it, it was good to talk to Ed Warner and know that the offensive line had a good productive spring, that those guys working together, uh, you know, we're not going to get into what we did hopefully at the beginning of last year where, where, you know, you got five guys blocking three guys. And it just, I mean, it was just a train wreck at the beginning of the season with that (laughs) offensive line. And and I think that was encouraging. I think that, you know, seeing some of these young defensive backs compete against those skill players was encouraging throughout the, uh, throughout the spring. I mean, you know, it's, it's, those kind of little things, I think, that you can take away from, from spring practices. Um, not so much as, uh, I mean, I don't think that we had the Michael Thomas, you know, 17 catches and then we'll see you in two years kind of a, a thing happen this spring. But, um, but I think that, that those are the, the positions that I saw really kind of evolve and, 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 and maybe not solidify, I guess, not arrive on the scene, but maybe solidify their, their place a little bit more. It's one of the names we've heard uh, a lot this spring uh, is Billy Price and his evolution as an offensive lineman. And then what we saw Saturday uh, was a pretty standout performance by young Nick Connor. Can you talk about those two guys and what you saw this spring from those two? Yeah, I think Billy Price uh, has evolved. I mean, he's a guy who's bounced back and forth a little bit and was thrust into that in that spot a little bit last year and into that offensive line play. And I think he's he's starting to finally feel comfortable there, um, and, and being able to 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 get into that position to be feel comfortable with the call, feel comfortable with the technique involved, to to react a little bit more than thinking about what you're going to do. I think that that was a that's a big step for him to take. Uh, Nick Connor is, is you know another guy who's a great athlete and and was able to run around and make some some plays uh, in, in the spring game. I didn't really notice him as much during during the practices that I went to, but uh, but he's you know a very talented guy, hampered by injuries up at Dublin. Um, so I mean, it, it's all about how you come back and how you how you prepare. But you know what's encouraging is you look at at where we came from in 2012, where we were moving a fullback to go start to start at middle linebacker. <laughs> For, for Ohio State to the depth and the, and the quality of guys that we've got there now, not just at the middle position, but all three positions. I think that's a, a tremendous testament, you know, not only to the recruiting and, and the guys that they brought in, but, you know, for all the people, and, and I'll toot Luke's horn here a little bit, you know, I mean, for, for he's back to developing these top flight guys, you know, along the lines of the Bobby Carpenters and A.J. Hawks and Laronitis that he dealt with, you know, through the mid-2000s. I think that, that he's got that, that kind of ability again with this group. So do you think that Cardell Jones squaring off against Troy Smith and like, you know, kind of a, a passing distance competition is like the most unlikely thing that's ever happened or like maybe just in the top <laughs> 10? Um, it's up there. Uh, you know, it was funny cause I saw Troy, uh, at a, at a meeting, uh, you know, he works for the university now too. And, and I saw him at a meeting earlier, uh, like Thursday and I said, buddy, uh, don't hurt yourself out there. But I know that it's, you, it's, you know, the days of you, you know, going out and, and running with these kids, hey, you're, you're getting old. You know, trust me, I've, I've been there. You're, you're getting old. So, um, 
but you know that's part of the fun of it and everyone knows Cardell has a rifle for an arm I mean no one's ever put that into question um but that I think is going to continue to evolve I mean that that battle at quarterback um you know I think the practices that I saw Cardell you know uh had some good plays had some bad plays I mean I, I think that um, and you might not hear this from the coaching staff, and maybe they don't feel this way, but in my estimation, if he wanted to, to really – he had a great opportunity to take a, 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 a firm grasp on – not that – you know I don't think that he was going to be named the starter coming out of spring, but he had a chance to really put some thoughts in the minds of the coaching staff of this guy is, is somebody that we're going to keep an eye on here as we head into fall – and I, I don't know if he did that. I don't know if he was able to separate himself enough from, you know, the Braxton Miller body of work, if that ends up being okay and the shoulder ends up coming back, or the JT Barrett body of work of the, you know, the 12 games that he put together. So um, it'll be really interesting come the fall. I mean, I know everyone wants to know what the, what the quarterback situation is going to be. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm with everybody else. I don't think Urban <laughs> is going to be you don't know what he's not going to Alabama but he he's (laughs) you just don't know you know where he's going to be how he's going to come out of that what his I mean the guy hasn't thrown a football in over a year or or, I mean won't have thrown a football in in a year by the time he's able to come back and and reportedly throw full strength so you just don't know there's so many unknowns Um, I think it really will be uh, a chance for JT and Cardell to distance themselves at the beginning of camp because from you know what I've heard, Braxton isn't going to be full go until probably mid-camp. So that's another opportunity for either one of those guys to put a little distance between themselves or make a name for themselves. So there's a lot of opportunity for those guys, and, and it's going to be who steps up and takes advantage of it. Last year it was JT Barrett. You know, Cardell Jones took, a, took advantage of it when his name was called in those last three games. But who's going to do it now? I I, I from my opinion, Cardell didn't uh, – it's not, not that he had a bad spring or that he regressed or anything like that, but he, in my mind he didn't separate himself enough to, for the coaches to really kind of take a look back and say, man, okay, he's showing us why he was that way, why people were talking about him going into the NFL after three games. And I don't know if that happened. All right, Matt. Well, I'm glad you put that uh, Alabama rumor to to rest because I was kind of worried <laughs> that Braxton would take off and go play for Nick Saban. Yeah, uh, that's not happening. <laughs> I, I had a text message from a from an Alabama beat writer today at like two o'clock in the afternoon saying they're hearing a lot of rumblings. I'm like, just stop it. That's just, just <laughs> stop it. That's ridiculous. Rumblings. Yeah. Uh, speaking of rumblings, why don't we rumble over to Samascus anything here before we we say goodbye to you, Matt? So uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna get to do this again for a little while. Um, didn't get a lot of questions uh, here in the off season. It's off season for our listeners as well. So um, first question comes to us Lazy. from Aaron Wenzel wants to know, uh, and I'm, I'm guessing he wants to know all of us. Would we like to come over and watch some Mystery Science Theater 3000 with him? Yes, as long mm. as Robert Smith will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with no on that one. Um, <laughs> not a fan of the Mystery Science Theater 3000. What? I'm not a fan of going over to strangers' houses. <laughs> okay, well I can I can get behind that second part of that. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a flat no from Matt. Um, it's it's a qualifier yes from Johnny uh, in that Robert Smith needs to be there. 
And uh, I'm going to say, I don't know, because I don't know where you, where you live. If you live further than like a couple of blocks, then there's no way. I'm just too lazy. <laughs> wow. We we yeah. are not we are not helping Aaron out. Uh, <laughs> well, Aaron, you know that's, Aaron doesn't time. Aaron doesn't need us. He doesn't need us there to watch it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Kevin, who is uh, at Zippy Fish on the Twitters, he wants to know how many times on average. I want to ask Matt this first. How many times on average does Johnny say "dude" every day? Oh, I'm gonna go with. If I had to put the number out for the over under, yeah, seventy six. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, I'm going over on dude. I'm going to say that he clears that by the end of first period. That's uh, I do say dude a lot, um, and I type it a lot too when I write. I, said, I had noticed that I was like going through all my old like articles and stuff. I'm like, wow, I actually do that a lot. That's kind of I'm a thirty year old man. It's kind of sad. Um, I don't know. I, honestly, I would put the over under around fifty, and I think that's an honest answer. But it could be it could be as high as seventy five or seventy six. I'm not going to lie. It could be around yeah. that that general area. I think there's been some dubcasts where you've dropped it at least two dozen times. That would. <laughs> I mean, that honestly, yeah, and if you extrapolate that out for all your waking hours, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. All right. Well, Kevin, it's a lot. It's a part. lot. A lot of times. On average, Johnny says dude a lot of times. Right. Uh, our last question comes from Doug Tulak. He is on the Twitters as Rocket Poker. Okay. <laughs> um, he Fine. wants to know, is it kosher to paint a blocko on my graduation cap? If I'm graduating from a non-OSU school, our colors are scarlet and gray. Mm. I don't know. Wait, he's I graduating from, from, a, from, a, from a college or from a high school? Uh, he just, just says a non-OSU school, so I'm going to guess that it's a college. Okay, well, I mean, if it's a high school and you're going to an OS, going to OSU, then I think that's okay. Um, otherwise, I guess it would kind of depend on the sort of. I mean, did he did he not get into OSU? I know that they've raised the admission standards <laughs> a little bit. I mean, right. Did he apply, or did he just not even apply and decided that Columbus State was was the place for him? I I, I don't know. So I don't know. He didn't divulge that in his 140 characters, but. Uh... I mean, if, I guess if, here here would be my cutoff. If, if you're an OU grad, or if you're if you're going to an actual another college, then no. If you're getting your degree from the University of Phoenix, Franklin University, or one of the Caribbean colleges, hey, <laughs> let do what you got to do. Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel the same way on that actually. Like if you're if your school is semi-competent and it, it's a, it's a decent school. Like, I kind of feel like that's a weird, I don't know, a weird admission of defeat. Like, Oh, I didn't go to Ohio state, but I started, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just odd. Like you want to, you want to rep your school. Like I understand, like you can still be an Ohio state fan if you go to another school. I'm not saying that, but at graduation, you're putting it on your cap. I, I feel like you got to rep your own school. That's, that's just how I feel on that one. All right. Well, I'm going to well, say, let me, let me you actually know, add this caveat though. If he's, okay. gradua- if he's graduating from Michigan, then yes. Oh, yeah, then he should absolutely the do it. Yeah, yeah 100%. Well, his colors are scarlet and gray, though, so I don't know what school he's uh, going to. Maybe yeah. UNLV or something? I don't know. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say, I'm going to play devil's advocate, and I'm going to jump on the other side here and say, yes, you can put a block O on your graduation cap. I'm for block O's everywhere. Put one on the Washington Monument. I don't care. I want them <laughs> everywhere. I think Ohio State should just go ahead and take over the world. 
I, mean, and, and that's let just me how say I feel. too that I was actually encouraged by when you started the question was I'm going to paint a block O that it ended up not being on his body somewhere. So so that's a win for everybody as well. <laughs> it is. So uh, Doug, do what you're going to do, but you know you're going to have to let us know how it how it turned out, buddy. We, we want to know. Yeah, I agree. And take <laughs> pictures too. If you decide to defy our advice and do it anyway, which you probably will do anyway, so whatever. So it's the off season, and so of course I blew it by not uh, telling people how they can ask us anything. So uh, before we leave, Johnny, why don't you tell everybody how they can do what those guys just did? Well, uh, it seems to be the most popular way to do it these days is to um, just hit us up on the Twitter account. So at eleven Dubcast, you can do that, or you can send us an email uh, Dubcast at eleven Warriors dot com. Yep, that's how you can ask us anything, and that's ask us anything for this here edition, this post-spring game edition of the 11 Dubcast. Matt, thank us on spring football. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of months. Guys, keep it real all summer long, and we'll talk in the fall. Absolutely. All right, we have a very special guest on the 11 Dubcast uh, this time around. Here we've got... Beanie Wells, who is, uh, of course, a former running back at Ohio State and a co-host of Buckeye Extra over at The Fan. Beanie, thanks so much for being on 11 Dubcast. Oh, no, no. I appreciate you guys having me. So we're really excited. Uh, we're just coming off the spring game, obviously, on uh, Saturday, and uh, I'm sure you got a chance to take that in. You've, you've been around the spring game and, and seen what it's sort of evolved into. What did you think about uh, not only the crowd, but the format that Urban Myers installed and and, you know, just the, the event overall. Oh, man, you know, just to see a, a, a fan base come out for a, a practice, and for you to get 99,000 people out there, you know, it's incredible. Uh, you know, it speaks volumes to Ohio State. And, uh, you know, we always had uh, exciting and, and crazed Buckeye fans, but, you know, it, it's growing and becoming more popular. And obviously after uh, coming off a national championship, that doesn't hurt. But Urban Meyer has a culture. Uh, that's developing around there, uh, not only with winning, but with uh, a fan base that is going to be uh, electrifying as well. So, you know, I appreciate it big time. I enjoyed myself at the spring game. Uh, you know, the way he set everything up uh, and got fans kind of involved, specifically with the halftime deals, you know, I appreciate it as a Buckeye alum and as a Buckeye fan as well. You know what? One of the things I really wanted to ask you about is is that kind of that idea of culture. Um you know, as someone who was around, obviously, during the Jim Trestle era, what kind of changes, what kind of differences, maybe not necessarily like positive or negative, just different, uh, do you see in the culture that Urban Meyer brings versus what Jim Trestle had? Uh, you know, I think he brings that more, uh, I guess I want to say dog mentality. You know, we see him go out and kind of, you know, show that he wants to dominate his opponents. He doesn't want to let up. He wants to kind of I don't want to say embarrassed, but he wants to win games convincingly and, and let people know that, you know, hey, this isn't just going to be a, a check for some of the smaller schools. This is going to be uh, a, a beatdown, and I'm going to develop my guys, and I'm going to raise them with that mentality to go out and dominate uh, opponents uh, from start to finish. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, Beanie, is, you know, obviously you didn't have any uh, issues with the the offense being pretty explosive at Ohio State when you were there. But what do you ever think about what your career might have been like had you played in an Urban Meyer offense? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> you know, when I, seen, uh, when I first seen Carlos Hyde go out and, you know, run wild in that spread offense and that up-tempo offense, and, and this year seeing Ezekiel Elliott do the same thing at the back end of the year, 
uh, just come out and come on strong and, and kind of dominate. You know, I often wonder what we could have did. You know, Urban is a guy, um, you know, where him and Tress differentiate is that Urban wants to go out and kill teams and demolish teams. And, and Tress, you know, he wanted to go out and win uh, handily, but he also didn't want to go out and embarrass opponents. And, but, you know, I, I like the fact that Urban allows his guys to go out and dominate start to finish. And that Baltimore offense, you know, he wants to score a lot of a lot of points and put a lot of points on the board, and they go out and do that. Well, you know, one of the other things that I kind of wanted to pick your brain about was just, you know, running backs in general. And Ezekiel had had a good season up until the last, you know, three or four games of the year. Uh, but obviously during that time period, he just he completely busted out. Was there anything that he did differently or that he was seeing differently in terms of his, like, you know, field vision uh, to make him be so successful in those last, you know, couple games? You know, I, I thought even in his freshman year, Ezekiel was going to be a phenomenal running back. Um, uh, one, I think he got more comfortable with the system and uh, the way the offensive line picked up throughout the year. You know, early on in the year, they weren't a team. They weren't the team that were uh, that was hitting on all cylinders on the offensive front. But uh, in the back end of the season, they kind of started doing so. The offensive line was doing a fantastic job. They came together and kind of found themselves in their identity. And then, you know, uh, quite frankly, they just started giving Ezekiel Elliott the ball more. You know, he wasn't playing as much as he was at the beginning of the season in the back half. You know, they were kind of splitting time early on, him and Curtis Samuel. They had a Mr. Rod Smith in there. But, you know, as the season went on, you know, somewhere along the lines, Urban figured out that he needed to hand Ezekiel Elliott the ball more often than he was doing. And, and I think that just allowed Ezekiel to go get comfortable in the system and comfortable with being the guy. And once you're comfortable uh, with what's going on around you, you allow your ability to just completely take over. And I think that's what we saw. You know what? I actually have a follow-up to that. It, one of the things that I was always really curious about with running backs, it seemed like game reps is, is critical, right? And how mm-hmm. about how many games do you think it takes for a running back to get into that rhythm to actually kind of like – you know, once you see those yards per carry start to kind of, you know, go up there into like five, six, whatever, um, how long does that take to get to get that comfort? Uh, you know, I, I think it's more so a carries deal than it is a, a game deal. Okay. Um, you know, the more and more you touch the ball and the more and more you do well and uh, with the ball, the more confident you get. You know, I was a guy that I could never go out and just get seven carries and have a phenomenal game. It wasn't going to be right. It wasn't my game. Uh, I needed the ball at least 15 to 20 times to get going and to get a feel for what was going on out there on the opposing defense. Uh, so it, it takes time. Right? I think it's a more of a, like I just mentioned, a carries deal uh, and, and a, a comfort level that guys get with the number of carries. If you know you're going to get a bunch of opportunities, you know you don't have to press. And when you press sometimes to try to make a big play and try to force a big play, things don't always go uh, as expected. One of the things that I think is interesting uh, that, that you share in common with Ezekiel Elliott is both of you have uh, experienced uh, taking a fourth and short against Michigan and just blowing through a huge hole and, and taking it to the house. And, you know, that's got to be a pretty amazing feeling doing that against your rival. What um, What is it about Michigan that uh, is different, you know, than playing any of the other teams in the Big Ten? Oh, man, you, you understand. When I first think of Michigan, I think of a few things. I think of uh... – you know, respect one, uh, pride, uh, and you're fighting for all of Ohio. Because I remember growing up in the 90s, and, uh, you know, Ohio State didn't fare well versus Michigan. And I had a few family members who uh, were Michigan fans. So I would hear from them 
all the time, uh, <laughs> you know, about how Michigan was uh, supposedly better than Ohio State, how they had the number, which they did. Um, so, actually, when I got to school, I kind of took that to heart. You know, that was still in the back of my mind, uh, you know, playing Michigan. I had these family members uh, that went to school there, and they always rubbed it in my face on how well they did. Um, so, I was going out fighting for the pride, not just for the pride of myself and to – you know, get back at my family, but for probably a while. And you understand that uh, once you're playing in a game as big as that. You know, it's the uh, it's the height of, of college football. There is no bigger rivalry game than the Ohio State-Michigan game uh, at, at any level. You know, be it pro uh, baseball or uh, basketball or anything. You know, it, it's the, the most uh, historical rivalry in the game of sports. So, you know, going back maybe to, to this season's Ohio State football team, you know, we've asked you a lot about running backs, but, you know, I know you've, you've got a lot of football knowledge in general. I'm, I'm really curious to, to find out who you feel are going to be the really big offensive playmakers outside of maybe the obvious guys um, coming up with a, the football team. Was there anybody who, who maybe didn't get a ton of reps or carries or catches last year who you think might bust out this, this coming year? A guy that I really uh, I had high hopes of last year and things didn't quite come together, but I'm really confident in him this year. It's course Smith. I know we watched him go out and have a, a huge spring game, uh, but the more and more I talk to coaches, uh, you know, all they do is rave about the talent this kid has. He just needs to pull it all together, and I think he's a guy that can go out and kind of replace that with this, and hopefully be our big play deep threat type guy. Uh, another guy that we've seen a little bit of last year, and we've seen the flashes of it, was uh, Curtis Emerald. You know, he had carries where you could see he's electric as soon as he touched the ball, but, you know, he had a couple of issues last year where he would fumble, and, and that kind of right. set him back a little bit. You know, he's another guy that, you know, when I talked to uh, uh, the coaches over there, they're looking forward to getting this guy the ball. You know, it, they know he isn't uh, going to carry the ball a ton, so they even move him to the right receiver position so you can get the ball in his hands. Urban mentioned it. You know, he's a guy that we want to see not just maybe six, seven plays, but hopefully 40 plays a game out of. And he, he's that electrifying player that they have. Um, obviously, you know, we, we have the obvious guys, Jalen Marshall. Um, uh, Jalen Marshall, Zeke Elliott, uh, Cardell Jones. But another wide receiver that, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing step up is Noah Brown. You know, we've heard so much about how much progress he's made with losing the 20-some-odd pounds, with showing that he – uh, is being accountable not to just himself but his team, and he, he wants to be a guy that his team can rely on. And, you know, when you have a guy go out and lose weight and do the things right that the coaches are asking him to do, and now he's allowing his ability to take over and showing that he's a responsible guy. Uh, you know, I, I see good things in his future. You know, one of the things that we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about is the incredible quarterback battle that's shaping up this fall. Um, and a lot of people are saying, you know, that you can you can have a fractured locker room if if certain guys get get picked or passed over. But you know, one of the things that I think has been so amazing to me about the three guys that that are battling for this position is their maturity level. Are, are these three guys are they are they at the level of maturity where it doesn't really matter which one of them ultimately earns the job? That that the other two will be leaders and and respect them and and sort of everybody fall in line for another. Uh, possible repeat yeah i think so you know anytime you have competition and you know things don't go as planned for one individual it's always going to be tough but these guys all seem to be mature enough to understand you know excuse me that one common goal um and 
you know, looking at the Cardell and JT situation, JT knows this could possibly be Cardell's last year if he is the starting quarterback. So he knows he'll have a, a few years uh, after him to go out and kind of prove his deal. Um, but the Braxton Miller situation is a completely different deal because we don't know if Braxton is dead set on playing uh, the quarterback position. So if he was to lose this battle, you know, and he not accepted another role at maybe a wide receiver or eight back type deal, you know, what would be his case? So, uh, you know, it's kind of tricky. It's a tricky deal. But, you know, do I see all these guys being mature enough to, to stick it out and to fight through it? Absolutely. You know, Urban has uh, raved about these guys and how hard they work and the culture that he's set on his team, that it's a team-first mentality. Uh, and I believe uh, wholeheartedly that these guys can go out and do it together. All right. Well, uh, Beanie Wells, you know, we really appreciate you being here with us on, on the 11 Dubcast here, our spring game edition. Um, just wanted to, uh, you know, kind of get a final thought from you on can this team repeat and will they repeat? I want your prediction. Can they repeat? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think they have a, a number of uh, key pieces to replace being Devin Smith, being Duran Grant, the defensive back, Michael Bennett. But, you know, this is Ohio State. Urban Meyer has went out and uh, got some of the top recruiting classes. And we have guys in place to kind of go in and, you know, kind of uh, reload, so to speak, at, at those positions. Um, but I, I think they will. You know, Urban has been preaching and developing a culture there where there is no complacency whatsoever allowed in that building. So these guys know that they are no longer the hunter. They are the hunted. And, uh, you know, when you're hunted, you tend to prepare a little bit better and a little bit harder because, you know, people are going to be after you. You have that target on your back. Uh, do I think they will? A- absolutely. You know, I think Urban Meyer has all the key pieces to the puzzle, uh, the quarterback, the running back, the wide receivers. Um, the offensive line is finally coming together. The one issue that I do see uh, us struggling a little bit at is at the defensive tackle position. You know, losing Michael Bennett and not having a guy to come in and replace him uh, and what his athletic and what he could bring to the game athletically, you know, I think it'll be tough. But you know, I think Urban Meyer will find a way uh, to get another guy in there and plug in and get everything done and get all the pieces put together for us to repeat. All right. Well, there you go. Beanie Wells says we're repeating everybody. So get that champagne on ice now. <laughs> uh, Beanie, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, we hope to have you on again soon. I yeah, really no appreciate problem. it. You guys have a good one. So that is going to do it for uh, another edition of 11 Dubcast. Uh, we're going to be back in a month because we are on the off-season schedule, That's Johnny, right. as you know. And, um, you know, before we take off, we always do the uh, the final question. I have a question for you. I would love to hear the question that you have for me. First of all, by the way, before you ask that question, I want to give thanks again to uh, to Beanie Wells and Matt Fingus. Beanie was great. I like Matt is always yes. great, obviously, but... But, man, I was really, really excited to talk to Beanie, and I, I thought he was incredibly intelligent and articulate. I mean, that was that was great. That was awesome. It's always great when you have a legend on uh, on the Dubcast. Yeah, okay. We've had, you know, we've had a, quite a few. We've had Galloway. We've had Spielman. I mean, man, we get some we get some great guests. Yeah, we really looked out. We did. What did, what did we do to deserve this? I, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> it's working out. We're I don't keep know. doing it. <laughs> so, Johnny, my question for you is. You know the spring game obviously is a is a pretty big deal in the off season. If yes. if there was a non revenue sport spring game that was this big of an extravaganza, Ooh. what would you like it to be? Oh wow! Um, 
the 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 jerk douchey answer is pistol. Um, that's not. I don't. I don't really feel that way. Um, man, that's a. Oh, okay. So let me tell you this. All right. I was a competitive swimmer for a very long time. I I was swimming competitively since I was about five or six years old until the time I graduated high school. I wasn't very good. <laughs> I wasn't terrible, but I was I was just not that great. Um, but I really, really loved it. And one of the things I always loved about swimming was uh, my summer swim team that I participated in. And, and I got to tell you something, those swim meets were probably more fun than I have ever had participating in a sport than any of the sports that I ever did. Baseball, soccer, um, karate, whatever, you know, martial art, whatever. I probably had more fun doing summer swimming than anything else that I did. So yeah. I think it would be really, really, really awesome if the Ohio State swim teams could somehow have an outdoor spring game type of practice with a bunch of all the goofy crap that swim teams uh, tend to get into uh, while they're bored waiting for their events. If we could have some kind of like ridiculous, I think, like spring or summer swim team outdoor practice, that would be unbelievable. I think that would be a ton of fun. I think that would be great. Ninety nine thousand people for swimming. Yes, and then um, and then people I, like get the pool at various times and stuff, and you can like mess around. And there's like people, you know, throwing like hoses, like throwing water balloons in the crowd, and like there's hoses everywhere. Like, that'd be freaking sweet. I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, maybe have it at a water park. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've given this a lot of thought, Johnny. Actually, um, okay. you know, I'm I'm a big hockey guy. Um, that's my background, and I think right. seeing what Urban Meyer did there would be cool to see in a hockey sense because you could have these skill competition kind of things. Oh, yeah. that's yeah, you know, The NHL All-Star Game is really – like, that's one of the more fun All-Star Games, and I think it's because, in part, of that cool skills competition that they have. Yeah, it would be great the night before you could have uh, – they have that skills competition before the All-Star Game. We could, you could have that at your spring game maybe between periods, you know, have the – the, the cone races and all that stuff. The I think it would be really awesome. And then you could also, you know, you'd find out what students could skate. And you can have fastest skater contests yeah. and stuff like that. So hardest slap shot. Because, you know, a lot of people play roller hockey, but they could maybe come out there and take a slap shot and see how they uh, fare against some of the Buckeye hockey players. So yeah, that'd be that cool. would be my, that'd be my choice. So there you have it. Another dubcast has come and gone. And it's hard to believe a month will go by before we do another one. For Johnny and me, it'll seem like a blink of an eye. It's like, oh, we've got to do another dub cast already. I got finals <laughs> coming up. I got a lot of stuff I got to take care of. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to get on our way, and we'll see you uh, in May. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see you in May. Yeah. So uh, until then, I'm Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. Peace out.